and welcome to episode 207 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia, Ben Olson. Ben, what's happening? I am listening to a book called Nonviolent Communication. Oh, yeah. I started that one a long time ago. I couldn't quite make it through it. Yeah, it's been interesting so far, but I have a tendency to question a lot of things that people assert as hard and fast yeah. truths. <laughs> Join the club. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So anyways, I, I'm trying to think about, oh, like, you know, he, he makes some claims about like the way we speak and he says things like when you say I can't do something, what you really mean is that you're choosing not to, or you don't want to. And I think that's true in a lot of cases. And his problem is like, you're, you're basically the, the way you speak, the further away it is from reality, the, I don't know, there's, it's not good essentially, right? Like if you say you can't do something, but really you don't want to do it, you could, if you wanted to, you're just not choosing not to do it by saying you can't do it. You're attributing responsibility for your inability to do something to someone else or to something, something else, and then not really taking ownership of your life. And in some ways that can be damaging, I guess it's the idea, but I was like, okay, okay. So maybe I should start rephrasing things. I should say, instead of saying, I can't help this person or I can't do X, Y, Z, I just would prefer to do other things than do that. And that's true to some extent. But then I was thinking about it. I'm like, at some point, you literally can't do things. So anyways, I just get kind of tied up in like logical knots sometimes with people who are just trying to give probably practical advice. But I am trying to figure out if it's actually true. I'm like, maybe you can't do some things and it's actually more accurate to say that you can't. Interesting. I, I'm sorry. That's a total tangent. No, that's fine. Uh, we can we can give our book uh, our, our current reads. Our audience does need to read more. Generally, our LSAT students need to read more books. So, mm-hmm. if you get into nonviolent communication and you want to talk to Ben about that, that's uh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I have been reading the Lord of the Rings. I just recently mm-hmm. started from the beginning the um, whole big thousand plus page saga. My buddy bought it for me. And it was so big and heavy that I like, I couldn't, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Hmm. But then I bought it on Kindle and uh, took it with me on my trip last week to San Francisco and um, actually made a pretty hefty dent in it with uh, cool. a couple flights and a couple trips to airports and a couple BART rides and all that. It adds up over yeah. time. So uh, yeah, that's been really fun. Did you ever read it or did you read The Hobbit? I never read it. No, I just, I just saw the movies. Did you, do you think the, um, the book is better? So I actually hated, I only saw the first movie and I was like so bored because I, I don't know. I just wasn't into like fantasy realm type of stuff at the time. Mm. Um, lately I've started playing Dungeons and Dragons and Gloomhaven and just, I'm, I'm like nerding out on fantasy bullshit. <laughs> Been playing Skyrim on my switch, like all kinds of fantasy realm stuff. Mm. And I, I read the Hobbit like when I was a little kid and I liked it, but I had just, for whatever reason, never picked up the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy, but the first 10, 15% of it anyway, is like only about the hobbits and Hmm. they're such charming little, little dudes that, uh, yeah, it's been fun today on the show. We have a pearls versus turds. Like we frequently do. We have an email from Southwestern here in LA about a law school admissions event that they're putting on. Okay. We have an email from ASU, which has the 
tantalizing information that everyone that they admit gets a scholarship. Hmm. We'll talk about what five dollars off. Well, we'll talk about (laughs) what that means. We have a personal statement to uh, roast from Brandon. Thank you, Brandon, for subjecting yourself to our criticism. And we have another logical reasoning question from the recently released prep test 71. Cool. The show uh, will air on August 26th, which means that by now you have your July LSAT. If you took it after telling us for weeks and weeks, months, actually that the score release date was going to be August 28th. They then last week uh, sent out an email saying that the, results were going to come out a week earlier. So July 2019 test scores will be out. Uh, well, I guess that's tomorrow, August 21st, but, uh, mm-hmm. five days ago by the time you hear this show. So yeah. hope you did well. Tuesday, September 10th, just a couple weeks from now is the deadline to register for the October LSAT. That's nice that you'll at least have uh, your July score to look at before you decide whether you want to register for October and you didn't get to do that before you registered for September. Unfortunately, uh, that September test is coming up on the 21st, but you're already registered for that or you're not. Thank you for listening. And you can always email the show help at thinking You can send us a selfie when you do that. We might decide to use your uh, smiling face on the show notes for a show. You can listen all sorts of ways, uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, basically just anywhere that you listen to podcasts or our website, thinking There's other cool stuff there, including the show notes, um, which as we've always said are better than the show itself. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you get a chance, Hey, leave us a voice message on anchor. Again, you can go to our website for that, or you can, uh, follow up, find us on social media. We're at thinking else at just about everywhere. So find us on Instagram and then you can see the posts about uh, the new voice message feature on anchor. You can um, call in your uh, question and then we might use your voice on the show. You want to read this uh, review here, Ben? Sure. It says, I would like to thank you for your help through my LSAT journey. After the April LSAT, I felt that I had shot myself in the foot by only discovering your podcast two weeks prior to the test. Leading up to the April LSAT, I was... April? Do we even have an April LSAT until now? We do now. Yeah, it sounds so weird. Like, did we actually have an April LSAT? I guess we did. I just, I don't even no, remember No, I don't it. think we did. It was March. Oh, uh, maybe this that's... This year was March and June. Well, maybe that's what they mean. It was, it was March and the scores came out in April. Hmm. Yeah, maybe so. Leading up to this mysterious LSAT, I was only using Khan Academy and PowerScore Bibles to prepare. I studied for about six months this way, and I left the April test rattled at how unprepared I actually was. Hold on a second. There's not six months worth of content in Khan Academy and the PowerScore Bibles. I don't know what's in Khan Academy. and I mean, Khan just has the four free tests, you know? And the PowerScore Bibles... Those Wait, aren't. are you sure about that? I thought Khan Academy had more than that. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I, it used to have, I thought it was only the free tests. I didn't think that it had paid. I think it does have some other tests, but I'm not sure that you get to choose which tests you take. Oh. And so it's unknown. It's like a random, here's a test for you. Yeah, full disclosure. I mean, the truth is I looked at Khan for a little while when it came out and I saw enough bad strategy in there, enough bad advice in there that I just didn't really pay it very much more attention. But Mm-hmm. That's great if it has more test questions. It just it's a lot. doesn't really have very, very good help. 
Yeah, so he says he studied for six months in this way. So maybe he didn't study very much every week, or maybe he supplemented this with ten, books of 10 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So he says, I left the April test, rattled at how unprepared I actually was. I struggled through every one of the logic games and ran out of time during my RC sections. I scored a 152, with, which was much lower than my practice test scores and way too low to even consider applying to law school with. I decided to write the July test and use the Demon plus the Thinking LSAT podcast to prepare. Holy shit. <laughs> Those are his words. <laughs> Without even mentioning all of the features that were available on the Demon or how much I got out of listening to the podcast, I walked out of the, ju- the July test with a level of confidence that I never thought I would after- have after writing the LSAT. The difference that only three months made still blows my mind. I highly recommend you guys... To anyone I talk to about LSAT prep. That's great to hear. I hope that the demon and the podcast helped, although all we have here is a correlation. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people just need more time to prepare, but yeah, preparing in the right way can help a lot, or at least getting the right advice. I talked to someone the other day, they were going to do some tutoring with me, and then they decided to go with someone else because of. I couldn't meet them in person. I could only meet them on Skype. And my reaction to that was like, well, okay. I have a tendency to believe that the, the, the advice you get is way more important than the medium in which you get it. But, um, I guess for some people meeting in person is important. People just think they know what they want. Even, you know, they they think they know what they need, even when they don't, I've been doing online tutoring now for shit five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you that it's every bit as good as meeting actually face to face. I mean, there's no well, difference. Now with the demon, it's nice to just, you share screens. I have people just share me their screen and then I see what they're doing in the demon and we just do it together. Yeah, that's fine. Or they can just tell me what questions they want to talk about. But I mean, it's like Skype is very face to face. In fact, it's more face to face than, than actual humans are you usually do right like you don't sit there looking at someone right in the face the entire time when you meet them in person but on skype you kind of do and uh so i don't know that's that's too bad (laughs) that people aren't willing to let go of that because i i do think skype and face-to-face are just the same but cool thanks uh whoever we this is anonymous i guess we don't have a name for this one but uh thanks for writing in let us know once you get that july score yeah love to hear how you did All right. Pearls versus turds. Right now, the scoreboard has four pearls, 18 turds and 10 ties. So Mm. uh, we're just desperately looking for some good, good tips here. Um, So this was advice given to a listener from LSAT Max says, I'm using LSAT Max to prep parentheses. I invested in it before I heard about the demon exclamation point, exclamation point. They advise not to worry about timing. They say work on understanding the questions and speed will come, M dash, except for games. For games, they always advise timing. Ones that you don't finish in time or miss, you add to a pile to be reworked. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Hmm. To me, this sounds very close to what I often encourage people to do with games. So 
I just need to know one thing. Are they, when it says ones that you don't finish in time, to me, that sounds like the timer is arbitrarily set at like 10 minutes and counting down, which I don't do. I encourage people to have a timer going up so that they know how long it took them to do it. And I emphasize that, hey, look, it may take you 20 minutes. It may take you 30 minutes. I don't care. Just take a look. Like, how long did it take you? And if you end up doing that game again later and it takes you only 12 minutes, some people are still going to be freaking out because for some reason they think that's too long, but you can see the progress that you've made. I would say this is a pearl if... It's talking about the time going up and a turd if it's talking about some arbitrary time going down. Yeah, well, but there's no way it's pearl status because of their advice to never worry about timing on all the other sections. I mean, Mm, because mm -hmm. here's the thing. What are they really saying? Are they saying don't time yourself? If they're saying don't time yourself, then they're wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean... I do timed sections in every single one of my classes starting on the very first day. We do multiple timed sections on the first day of class. And the reason why we do it is not so that you can race the clock. It's so that you can basically learn to ignore the clock. Yeah. The games are a real good example. I think of how, how I do it with the games, I think totally works for people. I, I, I just, I don't, and this is how I prep too, by the way, I put 35 minutes on the clock And the class does a section of games. Mm -hmm. I tell them in advance that most of them are not going to finish and that they really shouldn't try to finish and that they should just focus on figuring out the answers (laughs) that they shouldn't miss questions on games that -hmm. they should get them right. Like you should, everyone you attempt, you should get it right. And so, yeah, like on the first day of class, some people don't even finish the first game. Yeah. Or they finish two games, you know, and they, But what I'm really trying to beat into them is the clock's going to be ticking, but that's not your business. Your business is answering the questions correctly. Mm -hmm. And then when time's up, what I'll normally do is review the first two games before lunch. Because I feel like most people had time to attempt the first two games or at least Mm -hmm. look at the first two games. Yeah. And then I might make some brief remarks about the third game or the fourth game, like give people some just kind of tips, like clues, like, Hey, what if you tried this? What if you tried that? And then I turn them loose for lunch and I encourage them during the lunch break to spend a little more time working on game three, a little more time working on game four. Mm-hmm. So that after lunch, when I do the, the explanations for those two games, they'll have, you know, spent a little time and maybe they can get a little bit more out of it. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm trying, and I mean, I do that, that's on day one of class. So if someone's hearing this right now and they're a brand new LSAT student, I really do want them to time themselves. I mean, if you're in the demon or whatever, just go into games, 35 minute time section and do a section, Mm -hmm. but don't race the clock. Just focus on accuracy. And then when you run out of time, you can spend unlimited time to just work your way through the rest of the games. I'm just terrified. I, I just, I think I'm traumatized by Kaplan by, by like, I, I have uh, what is that called where you take on the trauma of the people that you're saving? Like I, I've had so many, <laughs> I know there's a name I'm sure. Yeah. I, I don't I've had so many, it's kind of like the reverse of, um, the thing where you, uh, get sympathetic for your captors. What's that Stockholm syndrome? It's not yeah, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not that, mm-hmm. but it's similar to that where 
the, I get like refugees from shitty Kaplan classes who they took a whole LSAT class and they're in the entire class. They took one practice test mm-hmm. and then they went and took the official test and crashed and burned. And I'm like, well, yeah, duh, you didn't do enough time tests. Like then you freaked out when the clock started ticking. Mm-hmm. So I guess my advice for students then is just, I, I mean, I, I just don't know why you wouldn't just basically always time yourself. And then when the clock, when, when the time's up, then you just review untimed. Like what's wrong mm-hmm. with that? Yeah. So to clarify, here's what I'm generally recommending. If you're doing individual games or reading comp passages, you may or may not have a timer going up to see how long it took you to do that game or passage. For logical reasoning questions, if you're doing individual questions, it does not make sense to time at all. And then if you're doing a section, which you're recommending, it sounds to me like to do more often than most people do, then you do have a timer, but it's counting down and it's the 35 minutes or the 53 minutes if you have accommodated test taking. And you're having that timer going, even though you're not trying to race it because you want to get used to ignoring the time, essentially get used to focusing on answering questions, not on gaming the timer. Yeah. So the first thing I tell them to do when we start a new section is just, Mm. we click start and then just go turn off the clock and work diligently for 30 minutes. You'll be surprised. 30 minutes is kind of a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can make a lot of progress in 30 minutes. Even if you can't finish, you can get pretty far. And as long as you're accurate on the ones you attempt, you're going to end up with a great score. Mm-hmm. While I'm here, I, I love Ben that we've replicated what the timer does on the official LSAT. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty sweet that students are going to like have to deal with that. So yeah. the way it works on the official test is um, you can turn off the clock on the screen, which you should, because there's no point in checking the time 500 times during the section. But after the five minute warning, it, it pops up on the screen and tells you there's five minutes and the, you can't turn off the clock anymore after five minutes. So it's cool that the, that the class has like exactly that experience. And yeah, I just, I, we've talked about it for a long time, Ben, like 35 minute time sections should be the foundation of your prep. Mm-hmm. So if these guys are giving this tip of, you know, Oh nah, don't worry about timing. That just sounds an awful lot like Kaplan. Hmm. There's no way I can endorse a pearl for this one. Okay. So it's a turd. I mean, is there enough there to give it a tie? I I think for me, there's a lot here that sounds like what we say. So I think people might be confused. Like we're saying, don't worry about timing in the sense that you got to get used to letting go of rushing. And so I think that they might even be, I mean, a lot of what they're saying here sounds like they got it from us. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I think that I, I, we just need to clarify exactly what we're trying to say. So in that sense, I'd say it's a tie, I guess. Okay. Tie works for me. I just don't want people to take this to the extreme where they never time themselves. Oh, I'm not supposed to worry about timing. So I'm never going to time myself. Mm, And then on the day of the test, then they just crash and burn completely. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like an entirely different experience on the day of the test because you for once have the clock ticking. Yeah. All right. Here's this email from Southwestern. You want to uh, tackle it? Sure. Guys, see below. 
I can't wait to learn tips and tricks on the LSAT. I can also save $400 off their shitty course. Woohoo, Josh. Okay, so Josh got this email and it says, the subject is from the LSAT to the classroom. Learn what it takes to make it to law school. <laughs> okay, first of all, that subject is way too long. Mm. All right, so then we have this email and it says, it's got this nice picture of Southwestern Law School. And it says, Southwestern Law School presents Understanding the Law School Admissions Process. Blah, blah, blah. Joshua, baffled by the LSAT? Question mark. Unsure how to approach your personal statement? Want to know what you're really getting yourself into? Join us for Southwestern's next prospective student event to have your questions addressed. Participants will review a sample application and then have the opportunity to learn LSAT tips and tricks from a blueprint LSAT prep instructor or participate in a mock law class led by a Southwestern faculty member. Those who attend the event will receive a $400 discount on a blueprint course. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. What, $400? Yeah, no wonder their prices are so high. Blueprint charges a lot, but... Yeah, well, that's the that's stupid the game. scam. <laughs> I've, I like I'm mad at myself for not doing that. <laughs> yeah, but I just can't. Like I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. It just would make me feel so gross. It's like what law schools do. Yeah, it costs a hundred thousand dollars to go here, and we give most of you scholarships up to ninety percent. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to attract dumb people. Like I want smart people in my class. <laughs> I want people that are capable of looking at my class and going, "Oh, nine ninety five. Oh." No coupons, huh? No discounts? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's still cheaper than Blueprint minus 400. <laughs> so I'll take your class. It's like, yeah, duh. Yeah. Huh. I, it, it angers me that the law schools are so mobbed up with these big prep companies. I mean, you know, Blueprint is owned now by Kaplan, right? No, no I don't think it's Kaplan. I heard that VCs bought it out. Oh, wait, was it Manhattan that got bought by Kaplan? Manhattan got bought by Kaplan uh, but kept its my name. My bad. My bad. Got it. Got it. Got it. So VCs bought Blueprint. Yeah. Interesting. And by VCs, I mean venture capitalists, for those of you who are wondering if VCs is like another <laughs> test prep company. <laughs> yeah. 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 So here you go. Here's Southwestern just like endorsing a test prep company. One thing I'm going to say about this email is at least it's shorter than so many others that we've seen. And I like that the first paragraph is asking these questions, baffled by the LSAT. This is a good way to get people like reading, right? If you are concerned about these things, I think they've done a good job of letting you know what they're trying to help you with. Okay. I don't know. Then they have a schedule of events. Yeah, I don't think we need to read anything more. I think it's just that we got this email from a couple people who who had received this invitation. I think the point was just to to show how yeah, this is basically like Southwestern which hold on, I've got their 509 up. They last year gave grants. Well, this is 27-2018. They gave um 54% of the class got scholarships okay. and about 21% of the total class was getting more than half. Hmm. So half to more than full tuition. And they've got, they've got blueprint 
you know, joining forces because Blueprint's doing the exact same thing, mm-hmm. just like offering overly high priced shit and then discounting it a lot all the time. Yeah, which means if you don't get a discount at this law school or Blueprint, you're subsidizing your fellow yeah. classmates. <laughs> yeah, totally. Huh. Okay. Speaking of that, we have uh, another one here. Okay. So I'll read this one. This is, uh, we got this from a couple different people, Matt and Abigail. So here's, this is from, it has a nice big photograph at the top of it. ASU College of Law, Arizona State University. Fall 2020 JD application now available. The apps came out early this year, Ben. Did you notice that? Uh, no, I didn't notice. Oh, okay. Well, is I thought it, it was it normally September 1st, right? Or But there's a lot of the schools have apps already out now in August. Oh, okay. Uh, including Stanford. So, like, I have people who are still on the wait list at Stanford, but the Stanford app for next year's out. Isn't that weird? Hmm. Yeah, that is weird. What would you advise? What's your gut say on whether you should reapply while you're still on the wait list? Hmm. I don't know. It does... I don't know, actually. It it does say that, look, you're like serious. So if you reapply, then they're going to get the signal that, look, you're going to probably come if they accept you because you're willing to apply next cycle as well. Yeah, I think they already know that, at least in this applicant. I know this applicant has like been in touch with the school a lot. And like, I think it's very clear that she would go there if admitted. Hmm. So, yeah. What about what else besides that? What do you think about it? Well, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause it's like, you're throwing in the flag almost. You're like, look, I'm willing to go next year, but I don't know. That's also probably better for you in the long run anyways. That you just go next year instead. Yeah. So maybe, no what. yeah, maybe applying would at least rock the boat. And if not, and you yeah. go next year, great. Cause you're now earlier in the class and maybe yeah. more open for money. What do you think? I couldn't give like really solid, I'd never encountered the situation before, so I couldn't really give solid advice about it. But my gut just said that if you do apply for next cycle while you're still on the wait list for this cycle, it's almost like you're giving them a very easy decision point to just say, okay, we can't admit you this year because well, you've clearly I thought that too, but aren't they worried about like whether you're going to say yes, I guess you're saying, yeah, but now they get to turn down more people, right? Like the more people they turn down, that's actually just one of their metrics is that they want to dismiss. They want to not admit as many people as possible. They want, when, when they admit you, they want you to come, but they also want your application so that they can deny you because that helps their stats too. Mm -hmm. Just admission rate statistics. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and then my other thought was if you're still on the wait list on August 20th, I think they have to be thinking that there is some chance. Like they're not just lazily keeping you on the wait list at a school like Stanford. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that they're, I think they are, I think legitimately you might get that phone call if you're still on the wait list at this point. I could be totally wrong. Maybe they just routinely keep a thousand people on the wait list and dismiss them all on the last day. I mean, I don't know. Hmm but I've never heard of something like this, like somebody being waitlisted this deep and them continuing to, you know, communicate like she's been in touch a time or two saying, Hey, just want to make sure, you know, if you have need anything or documents or whatever, and she's given them like little updates about what's going on in her life. Hmm. And I don't know. I, I, I didn't think there was much upside to applying now. 
like you can wait. It's not like you're applying. Right. You're still like in a couple of weeks, school will have started and then for sure they're going to tell you, okay, you're not on the wait list anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then what's the difference between applying in the, it's still, it's shit. It's going to be still September 1st or like the first week of September. I mean, that's always been early. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've always said that's plenty early. So that's what I thought, but I, I could see the other side of it for sure. I could just see like, Hey, the more you do, the more they're going to realize, you know, they're, <laughs> they're going to see you as a killer. Mm-hmm. The downside was that she was going to have to write like a whole new personal statement, you know? Yeah. And the last one was so good that I just, I, I felt like I wanted that to continue speaking for her for a little while longer <laughs> instead of having to come up with a whole new set of documents, whole new set of essays. I wonder if you have to come up with a whole new set of essays. They, they told her. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They said, they said, you're going to want to rewrite your personal statement. I think they might even have said you're going to need new letters of rack. Hmm. That was, that was someone from Stanford admissions. You know, the, the story is a little different at these top, top, top schools just because they can, right. They can afford to push you, make you jump through (laughs) even more hoops. Yeah. Well, what do lawyers do? Lawyers jump through hoops, right? Yep. And yep. if you're going to go to an elite law school like Stanford, you're going to be an elite hoop jumper. Yep. I mean, that's why the top 14 schools have all these extra essays and stuff. They just want to see you working. They want to see that you're capable of doing all this bullshit. <laughs> that's really one of the reasons, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's go back to this email from uh, ASU. It says... Hello, Abigail. The Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law at Arizona State University is one of the country's preeminent law schools, offering students a comprehensive and personalized legal education. Located in Phoenix, the country's fifth largest city, ASU Law is ranked number 27 nationally by U.S. News and World Report and is consistently in the top 25 for employment. Any thoughts so far? Uh, if you want to, I, I think that could be persuasive for people applying to law school. I would just say that right up front. I would drop the first sentence. That's telling, not persuasive to, to me. No, oh, that is one of the country yes, preeminent. preeminent. Yeah. Like everyone says that, right? Southwestern says that we're preeminent. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, it means Hastings. nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah, it totally means nothing. I am just amused by the fact that it's the Sandra Day O'Connor College of the Law. Do you know who did not go to Arizona State University for law school? Justice O'Connor. <laughs> Justice O'Connor did yeah. not. Justice O'Connor went to Stanford. So it's <laughs> just amusing to me that they, of course, jump at the opportunity. You know, like if some student, uh, some applicant thought that Justice O'Connor did go to ASU. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they would be perfectly happy for you to have that <laughs> misconception. Well, it's funny. I mean, that's they're using that name obviously to push themselves or to promote themselves. But some schools, you know, I I'm glad that they've embraced their short title and aren't as stodgy or whatever. Like uh, University of Florida, for example, continually refers to itself as UF Law. 
as opposed oh, nice. to as as opposed to these long ass titles that as opposed to as opposed to University of California Hastings College of the Law of the Law, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the way they capitalize it and they want it capitalized just this certain way. And it's right. just like now, thankfully, this email does go on to say ASU Law, but I don't know. I kind of wish they just said that straight up front. ASU Law is ranked twenty seventh. Thank you. Yeah, mic so drop next. <laughs> Our fall 2020 JD application is now available. There is no application fee. And our turnaround time for decisions and scholarship awards is typically two weeks from the date the application is marked complete. Very technical. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, let's give them credit. So is it marked? Two, they, two weeks. That's nice. Okay, yeah, but is marked complete on their end or on the student's end? I think that's going to be on the student's end, like when you've got all your shit in. Okay. That's, that's or like everything's been received from LSAC. Uh, let's give them credit for two weeks, two-week turnaround. That's good. Okay. That's good. Why not? They should do that. All admitted students will receive a scholarship award. Hmm? What? <laughs> wow. What does that mean? <laughs> it means every single person in the entire school is going to get a scholarship. Pity the fool who gets a dollar. Yeah. There, there's going to be, some of them are going to be very, very low. Let me see if I can find ASU 509. Here we go. This is again, 2017, 2018. Last year they gave 64% uh, or the, I guess that's the entire school. 64% of the entire school is getting a grant. 28% of the school is getting less than half. 25% is getting half to full. 9% is getting full. 3% getting more than full tuition. So they are, you know, aggressively charging everyone a different price. Nominally, their tuition is $23,000 a semester for non-residents. And uh, $14,000 a semester for residents. That's a lot better deal if you're an Arizona resident. Hmm. They do not do conditional scholarships, but they are giving everyone a scholarship. I mean, here they're saying explicitly every single person this year is going to get a scholarship. Wow. So nobody's not getting a scholarship, which just all that means is they jack up the tuition and then they just give everybody a varying discount. Yeah. That's like how no one pays sticker price at the car dealer. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same thing. So people, you just got to see through this bullshit. This is, this is nonsense. This is all just marketing fluff. Wait, are you saying that the car dealership deals are not deals? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you just, you, what you really have to do here is think about your net cost of attendance. Like, don't tell me about the fake money that you're going to give me because you're never going to give me money. What it's going to be is a discount off my tuition. So what's your tuition? How much are you discounting it? Okay. So that's the real number you're going to charge me. These scholarships, people just need to see through this bullshit. This part I thought was interesting too. Mm -hmm. Additionally, we will reimburse up to $500 in travel expenses for a visit so admitted students can experience firsthand all the amazing things ASU law and Phoenix have to offer. We look forward to receiving your application soon. Sincerely, AJ, Andrew Janes, assistant Dean of admissions and financial aid. So no fee to apply. If you get admitted, 
you're going to definitely get a scholarship award so mm-hmm. you can see how much money they want to give you. Yep. And they'll reimburse you up to 500 bucks if you want to take a free trip to Phoenix. Well, they're making it a real no risk sort of proposition to apply or low risk. Well, except that you have to go to Phoenix. I mean, I'd pay $500 not to go to Phoenix. (laughs) I didn't know Phoenix was so bad. Arizona is by far my least favorite state. Arizona? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. It can't be as bad as some others. mm, I haven't really spent much time in Mississippi, so I will give you that. Like, there's probably worse places. But Arizona is pretty fascist, man. Like, the whole thing with Sheriff Joe and all that shit, it's kind of scary down there, dude. It's weird. I don't think that's, like, representative of Arizona in general, right? Okay. Well, I've, I've maybe I've had experiences that are outside the box, but I've run across some gun-toting cowboys that were, like, kind of scary. Hmm. Someday I'll tell you the story about how my buddies got kicked out of the hotel that we were in in uh, Tempe. We were like totally adult people and we somehow got kicked out of the hotel by this like super crazy fascist hotel security guy, (laughs) building manager guy. Anyway, if I never go back to Arizona, I will be perfectly happy. That would be, I can totally skip Arizona. Hmm. Okay. We're going to get hate mail now. Sorry. Sorry. I don't like your state. Don't know what to tell you. It's way too hot too, by the way, like ridiculously. All right. You know what? There is still one downside though, Ben. Hmm. There's no application fee, but what is there? Oh, do you have to pay the LSEC fee? I would imagine. uh, You're going to have to email AJ, Andrew Janes, and say, hey, dude, you're going to waive that $45 LSAC fee, right? Because there's no application fee for Arizona State, but there's still going to be that report fee that the LSAC's going to charge me 45 bucks. And AJ, we know, has the power to waive that. At least he has the um, back end of the LSAC website. There is a way that he can waive that fee for you. Yes. <laughs> back to the and beginning so, of the show, he can't say that he can't. <laughs> he can't say that he can't. If he said that he can't, he'd be lying. He'd be communicating he violently. Want to. He can say, I'm <laughs> choosing not to do that for you. <laughs> You're not a good enough applicant. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Or we don't want to do that because we don't want to have to reimburse the LSAC $45 or whatever it is. But Hmm. you could ask AJ and then there would really be no downside. And you could just see what Arizona State would be willing to offer you. Yeah. It's true that like schools in undesirable places tend to give awesome scholarships, right? Like we've sent people all the time to (laughs) Minnesota and you're still calling Arizona undesirable. I love it, dude. It sucks. Phoenix is terrible. Are you kidding? (laughs) It has no, like the, the, it's like talk about urban sprawl and traffic and everything. It's like, it's just, it sucks. I'm not a, not a Arizona guy. It's literally 120 degrees in the summertime. (laughs) Anyway, it's so concrete too. It's just like sprawling. It's just like blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks. And there's nothing but like just a circle K on every corner. And it's just, I, I don't know. It's uh, nah. Now Fight I almost me. feel like challenged. I do not like to Arizona. Arizona to like see how far away is it from San Diego? It's a f- flight. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a long ass drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have family in Arizona or in uh, San Diego. So I was thinking maybe I could go there and then I could go to Arizona and just do a little, you know, 
If you're going to go to Arizona, I definitely recommend that you go in January. Okay. Because if you're there in April, it will be over a hundred degrees every day. Hmm. Or maybe not every day. Again, don't fight me, but I've been there in in March when it was like scorching. So it's just like, you don't, it's, it's really hot. And I, it, even if it is the fifth largest city, I did not see a lot of culture while I was there. And the fact that the state of Arizona reelected Sheriff Joe Arpaio so many times, that's not a good look. That's, that's, that's not good. Anyway, what do we think? Should everybody apply to ASU? Sounds like you, they have your ringing endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, could be real good for negotiating for negotiating. (laughs) It could be really good for, for negotiating with whatever school, you know, you actually do want to go to. Yeah. I can imagine that like one of the LA schools, if you got a, let's say I'm trying to think like, I I don't think USC is ever going to be afraid of ASU. Well, they're close in ranking. I guess if you got a full ride, if you get, you know, you get into USC, but you get a full ride to ASU and you could sort of ask USC for more money potentially, or like a school like Loyola here in LA, a lower ranked school. I mean, I'm sure they would have to see ASU as a credible threat. Mm -hmm. So yeah. All right. Personal statement time. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Me read it. You read it. I'm happy to read it. That's fine. This is Brandon's personal statement. I've been working as a law clerk, specializing in litigation for over two years. No, this is your first sentence. It's got to be your best sentence. And all you tell us that you've been doing is something that we could read on your resume. Yeah. And just the choice to, it's an, it's kind of an odd verb tense to say, have been working. Yeah. I mean, you still work there, right? You could just say I work, but what I, I also wanted to criticize is just the choice of work as the verb anyway, because work people mm. love to use that as a verb on their personal statements, but it's vague. Well, everyone works. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? You work, work as a law clerk. You mean you are a law clerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We already knew that from your resume. So yeah, people need to dive right in to say what you did Yeah, or do. Yep. So I would okay. get this out entirely. Let's figure yep. out, let's learn more about you, Brandon, and then maybe we can propose another. Well, first what sentence. we do is we'll find there'll be a sentence later that will go, okay, that one, that could be your first sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Just start there. That's start how it almost always there. goes. Yep. Yeah. So then Brandon continues in order to be successful in my current position, by the way, the phrase in order to can always be replaced with to, which is more concise. So to be successful in my current position, comma, I must complete tasks that require a wide range of expertise, such as draft pleadings, conduct research, and prepare opinions on liability and damages. Okay, so you got a broken... Oh, no, actually, no, I thought that was... Anyways, I misread that. But this is like... No, it's broken because... The, the such as there, is that referring to expertise? Is that referring to wide range of expertise? Yeah. Skills. Or is it, it's not because it comes with draft pleadings. Oh, conduct research and prepare. What? Whoa. Weird broken verb tense too on those verbs. But I think what Brandon was trying to do is list out tasks, but because he went tasks that require a wide range of expertise, such as, then I thought that he was going to say, 
his, about his range of expertise, but instead he lists. Oh, I was reading them as nouns, draft pleadings. I was like looking at as a well, noun. That's why I said conduct research re- is not a noun. Conduct research. Oh, conduct research. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, okay. So these are all verbs. And then when I saw prepare, I was like, why are you throwing a verb in here? But they are verbs. But then there the are, he meant them to be verbs, but they're present tense verbs. <laughs> I must complete tasks such as he could say drafting pleadings, yeah. conducting research and preparing opinions, but that's not what he does. He says draft pleadings, conduct research, weirdly changing verb tense. I mean the like just easy, easy fix here. Well, two, we've said this all the time, Ben, you, you always tell people to read it out loud. Mm. Uh, if he had read this out loud, there's no way he would have done this or I hope to God he would have fixed it if he would have read it out loud. But the other thing is just word count. I mean, there's 33 words in this sentence and Brandon, you're going to get yourself in trouble anytime you get over 25 words ish. Do we have an email about this or anything? Like this isn't his first draft or anything, is it? I don't think we're reading first drafts no, on the show, are so. we? I think this is, this is one of his best shots. Like apparently. he thought this was good. And it's just like, dude, that sentence is broken. Are you kidding me? Second. So sentence. yeah, if you sent that in, Brandon, like you just immediately the someone's going to read that and go, Oh shit. No, like, Oh, this guy can't write. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, also and they might the, not even read the rest of it. You have a, a lot of unnecessary words. I mean, I was focusing on the details to go from in order to, to two, that's going to tighten things up a little bit, but you don't need any of this in order to be successful in my current position. You don't need to say that. Ever. I must complete tasks. Yeah, yeah. No shit. You must complete tasks. <laughs> you have a job that require a wide range of expertise. That's and then expertise. anyone could say that. Imagine a sentence that anyone could say, don't say it. You're not adding any value. So, or telling us more about, yeah, you. right. That, that right there. If you stop at expertise in order to, uh, well, to be successful in my current position, I must complete tasks that require a wide range of expertise. Hmm. Uh, no yeah. shit. <laughs> like, or I don't believe you telling me how expert you are while you're applying to law school. It's like, well, I don't know. Say what you do. Just say what you do. So I do like that he's trying to say, I draft pleadings, I conduct research, I prepare opinions, but pick one of those and then show me you kicking ass at that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to list it all out, it's already listed out on your resume. One of, just so, one of these things could be a whole statement. Yes. You, one yeah, opinion. One, yes. One time where you had to do one of these things could be your entire two page personal statement. And then we'd actually learn something about you because we would see how you work. Instead, this is just so high level listing out all these things. People do this all the time. What are we going to call this? It's like, it's like they're sprinkling little seeds uh, of a bunch of stuff and you're just like, uh, okay, I'd like to see the tree, not a hundred seeds on the ground. Yeah. It's a Johnny Appleseed of, um, yeah. It's also like Johnny Appleseed of telling, you know, just sprinkling in all of these like expertise successful wide like, range oh, yeah totally six yeah he continues i am thankful okay now you're telling us how you feel to be in a position that not only requires critical thinking and expertise again, again. just telling mm-hmm, 
in a variety, a variety of areas. Oh, wow. You, must you already have... said a wide range of expertise. Now it's expertise in a variety of areas. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when you say not only, you, also, you need to follow that up with but also, but instead you just say but, one that also, you separated them, but one that also allows for a great deal of autonomy and self-management, all telling. Oh, so you have autonomy and you self-manage. I don't see anything happening except for you sitting in a cubicle by yourself. Once assigned a task, it is up to me to approach it in the most efficient and effective way. uh, For some reason, I want to start clapping right now. Like, oh, it's so great. I am lucky to have great mentors available to answer my questions and provide feedback or criticism where necessary. Anyone could say any of this. Yep. Strike that entire first paragraph. Moving on. Gone. Throughout my litigation work experience, I feel like you're trying to make your experience more than it is, which then makes it seem smaller. It's overselling when you just don't say what you fucking did. Yeah. You keep talking about the wide, broad range of your throughout my career, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you're like just, okay, what do you do? I haven't seen you do one goddamn thing yet. Yeah. And you're missing a lot of commas here. Throughout my litigation work experience, comma, you need a comma there. I have had the opportunity to advocate. Oh, dog. Just don't say advocate in your personal statement. No one ever nope. should, period. Advocate for my... You're not a lawyer. You didn't advocate. Nope. Don't do that. Well, people say that. And I think they... Because it's like... I think that's why they want to go to law school. They want to become an advocate so they can advocate for their advocacy projects. <laughs> but it's like... What? I mean... You're a law clerk. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I have had the opportunity to advocate for many clients and play an important role in the trajectory of their litigation through preparing pleadings, briefs. Oh, fuck off. And opinion letters. Wait, you already said that. Yeah. What? You're and just it's saying like, this. You're just telling Many us. clients. Yeah. I play an important role. Important role. <laughs> in the trajectory. <laughs> this is awful. This is like... I. Again, it's like, I just wonder if people listen to our advice or not. I think it's very difficult. Maybe our advice is always too um, telling. I mean, I feel like we're giving you an example. So maybe we need to rewrite and provide. Well, we do that too, I think. So for right now, you just need to cut all this and you need to focus in on one thing. So that's our concrete advice. We'll try to stop telling. Well, maybe that's part of it is that people just think that they need an introduction and they think they need a conclusion, but what they really need is a fucking story. And right now we got nothing. Like I, I don't, I'm not, there's no movement in this. You're not doing anything. And by the way, your story does not need to be cinematic. No, we're not saying become creative narrative master, (laughs) master, masterpiece or whatever. Just like I did this, I did that. There's so much power there. It's, you know, like what I'm reading this because I want to know who is Brandon. And so far what I've got is not who is Brandon. What I've got is what is a generic law clerk? You know what I mean? Like it's listing out all of the different things that a law clerk would do. Yeah. With the downside that I also don't believe anything that you're telling me. Right. Yeah. It's like, this is your fantasy version of what a law clerk does. And I'm just thinking, well, really, did you actually do those things? I haven't seen you do it. Like you're not, you're not, 
you're not showing me you doing those things. You're just telling me that you've done those things. And I just, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. You know, what's funny. Have I told you about the use of uh, the words I and we in um, hostage negotiation? Hostage negotiations? Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. Okay. So I read a book by a hostage negotiator who said that when the, who, the, the bad guys, right? When they're talking, if they say we, like, oh, we, we, we're going to do this or we can do this, it almost always means that that person who is saying we has a lot more power than they actually have. And they're trying to hide it by saying we, right? Like they're like, oh, I don't have the authority to make this decision. It's a group decision. And so they're, they're, they're like unloading power and distributing it to others through their language to hide the fact that they're in control and that people who lack power often say, I like, oh, I can do this or I can't do this. And anyways, the reason I'm bringing that up is that when people don't do a lot, it seems like all they ever say is how much they do. Right. Mm -hmm. And when people do a lot, they just start saying what they did because it speaks for itself and it screams to the world, look at all the shit I'm doing. So anyways, um, if you find yourself struggling, you just have to let go and start thinking about the things that you do do. You don't have to be amazing. You just have to be good at the things that you've been assigned to do. Yeah. I mean, take uh, this advice with a grain of salt. You're definitely not going to start writing we on your personal statement. Oh yeah. You sorry. Have sorry. A lot of sentences no, it's more like the, the, I. The, the idea that when we lack experience or confidence in maybe what we've done, we tend to have a tendency to say more like, Oh, look at what I'm doing or look how much yeah. power I have. Like the yeah. person who doesn't have power and says I, as if they have the authority to make the decision when in reality they don't. And the person yeah. who has the power doesn't feel the need to say that like, Oh, yeah. I can do that. They say we will do that. I think this is all right now, just introduction I, th I think that Brandon needs to get out of his own way here with all this bullshit. And yeah. so we could really easily help Brandon here by just deleting the first, well, paragraph and a half. You want to keep reading this yeah, uh, second sure. the rest for, of the second paragraph? For many of our plaintiff clients, the end of the litigation process is not in the foreseeable future, but their serious injuries require treatment immediately. Fighting for a client who is denied necessary treatment and who is unable to navigate the accident benefits process in, on their own has turned out to be the most immediately impactful aspect of my job in terms of direct contribution to my clients. Okay. Um, you tend wordy. To be pretty wordy. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. But at least I'm starting to see stuff here. So you help people who are injured before their litigation is up. That does seem like a yeah. window in which people would need a lot of help. But, and then it's it, this, this, the last sentence of that paragraph fighting for a client, wait, who is denied yeah, necessary is treatment and who is unable to navigate the accident benefits process has turned out to be the most immediately impactful aspect of my job in terms of direct contribution to my clients. Mm. So the subject of your sentence is fighting for a client essentially for these clients has turned out to be the most immediately impactful. So this is all introduction. Brandon's trying to introduce what's going to happen here at the beginning of the third paragraph. Yeah. But you could just start at the beginning of the third paragraph and get rid of all this introduction bullshit. 
Yeah. Like, let's just see you in action. We'll, we're not dumb. Like we will be able to figure out what, that you're like a law clerk and like, we have your resume. Mm -hmm. So we'll be able to read the story. Just, you can start from like where the action is, get deeper into it. Yeah. Okay. The next paragraph starts a client of the firm who I will refer to as T just the letter T was a passenger in a vehicle that was involved in a serious accident. Okay. Again, you can I don't know. You're just, you have a very wordy way of conveying simple ideas. So I wouldn't yeah, it takes way too long to get into the action. Like we get it. You do accident shit. Someone well, got well, in an accident. Yeah. What someone happened? got in an accident. Like we don't, a passenger in a vehicle that was involved in a serious accident. It's like, <laughs> no oh, shit, the, the vehicle, okay, so the was, vehicle involved. was involved. And then this was a passenger as opposed to a driver. No one cares about that shit. It's just like, they were hurt in an accident. Also notice the comma outside of the, yeah, the, the quotation quotations, marks there yeah. around the T. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't call this person T too. Like this overly logic games ish. Just call them Tom. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. T he continues was the victim of an intoxicated driver running a red light. The victim just say T was hit. By a drunk yeah. driver who ran a red light yep. at no fault of her own. Uh, okay. That's implied. No shit. Tom, she got oh, this is a she. Lit up by a drunk driver. So we'll call it Tanya. Tanya was now unable to work, walk, or carry on life as she knew it prior to the accident. She has been suffering from a brain injury and chronic pain as a result of the accident. We know, we know it was from the accident. Yeah. Verb tense change there too with has. Yeah. Okay. So now the problem with this is we are learning a lot more details about things that you've dealt with, but we still don't know anything about you. So I would like this all to be conveyed in one sentence. Tanya was hit by a drunk driver running a red light and now suffers this stuff. And, and then what do you have to do with it? What, like, you, what are you yeah. going to do about it? Yep. In her efforts to rehabilitate comma, you need a comma like I, commas <laughs> are randomly thrown in here and not in other places in her effort to, in her, in her efforts to rehabilitate, she met with a psych, psychotherapist Oh, sorry. Physiotherapist. I don't know why that's capitalized. And an occupational therapist. Again, not sure why part of that's capitalized and not the rest. Yeah. A treatment plan was submitted, okay, passive, to the insurance company and was denied. Did she submit it? Did you submit it? Yeah. The insurance company denied treatment. (laughs) Not a treatment plan was submitted and it was denied. <laughs> yeah. The insurance company denied. We don't need to hear that someone plan. requested it first. That's implied. We know that they printed it out and filled it out and put it in an envelope <laughs> and mailed it in. Like that part we get. <laughs> her, her help. Sorry, Brandon. I just, I, uh, I get impatient. Yeah. Sorry. This meant, what is this referring to? The denial? The denial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, you don't need to put that. You just start with Tanya, blah, blah, blah. We get it. Yeah. Tanya, this meant that Tanya would be unable to receive the treatment for that her physiotherapist and occupational therapist, oop, now with capitalized, deemed necessary for recovery. 
which is kind of implied by the <laughs> treatment plan was denied by the insurance. Yeah. What did you do about it, Brandon? Yeah. Like, I'm starting to think you didn't do shit. Yeah. I was called like, well, upon. Oh, dear God. I was called upon <laughs> by the powers that be. <laughs> this could almost be a call from God. God yeah. called upon me to, quote, yeah. deal totally. with the denied treatment plan. Well, presumably. What? <laughs> Why is deal? The scare quotes around deal. I was called upon to quote deal with the denied treatment plan. I mean, that's not an unusual use of that word. I wouldn't say so, it here. You were you were called upon. Yeah, don't just just don't like again. What did you do? <laughs> this is what someone else did. They hearkened you, Brandon. Hitherto, it's like the endless pa paging Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, please report to the dealing with the denied treatment plan department. Air Brandon, quotes, by the way, around that deal. <laughs> we need you to deal with this. Okay, he continues. <laughs> it was up to me to structure a course of action in order, again, get rid of that, in order to be adequately prepared for the inevitable battle with T's insurance adjuster. This, like, so look at the wordiness. <laughs> called upon to deal with and then it was up to me to structure a it's like okay i did this yeah. what did you do i'm still waiting to see what you did like if you if you structured a course of action tell me what that looks like you made a plan you wrote a document you what did you do i think people are almost like gun shy of the the simplicity of what they do do they're like, well, all I did was fill out a form. Well, then don't oversell it. Yeah. God damn. Like, well, it's like they can't admit what they actually did, so they have to say a structured course of action. In other words, you planned some steps, and maybe these plans were actually given to you. So did you actually structure a course of action? You're like, first, we're going to figure out which insurance company yeah, it is. It's, it's like, like <laughs> well, it's like, did you invent this process? Are you the first person ever to do this? Like, is this, this patient the first person ever to get denied? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually imagining you probably following your employer's like manual. Yeah. Like, here's how we deal with cases like this. Mm -hmm. This isn't the first one of these that your, that your company has ever had, your firm has ever had. I mean, if you actually did structure a course of action, show that to us. Like, oh, this, this problem presented novel, novel something. Like, this was a yeah. new thing. Mm -hmm. that our, our firm had never faced this before. So I had why. to invent a new solution. Yeah. Okay. Brandon continues. T was relying on me to make an argument compelling enough to persuade the adjuster into approving treatment and avoid further delays. We get it. We, you were called yeah. upon. You're being relied upon. It was up to you to do all this work. We, one sentence gives us Tanya's position. We understand that she needs treatment and she's been denied. Tanya we understand. was hit by a drunk driver. Her insurance company denied, denied her claims. I... Did prepared about an it. argument to change this denial. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it just like that, but we three sentences of what you just said in like five paragraphs. Okay. All right. This next paragraph is, is actually getting into some action. Yay. So that was five paragraphs. And what we've learned so far is that Brandon works in like a personal injury law firm or something. 
and that he had a client who got hit by a drunk driver and he did something, but we don't know yet what he did. So here it comes. I began obtaining medical records from T's family doctor, emergency room doctors, specialists that she had seen since the accident, and even the paramedics who arrived at the scene of her accident. Okay, at least you're doing shit. Like I, Obtaining always makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like, it's so stuffy. Mm-hmm. I had a friend one time, this was like 20 years ago, but uh, he had a voicemail message that was like, um, hi, uh, this is Alan. I'm not here to obtain your call right now. Obtain. So if you could leave it. <laughs> I thought it was funny. That reminds me, you remember that LSAT question that says like the economist position or prediction did not obtain or something like that. Yeah. They, they use that frequently. That's not, it's not one question. That's all yeah. the time. They always, people get pissed about that. They're like, that, I don't use the word in that way. I'm like, yeah, well, what else could have it meant? Right. Right. Yeah. Get it from context. What do you think they're asking you? But I like the fact that he's doing things. So here we could rewrite this, right? Instead of, I began obtaining just say I tracked down or I, I found. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How, what did it look like when you got those medical, like, how did you get those records? You called. <laughs> I went to the doctor's office. I snuck in in the dark of night with a night vision goggles and stole them. Um, what did you do? Like, <laughs> that's great. Okay. He continues. If I was going to argue, if I were to argue, but anyways, if I was going to argue that D that T's denied treatment was necessary, I needed as much evidence as possible. Now to argue that T's denied treatment was mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. I needed as much evidence Even as that, possible. Though, it's like, really? Well, it goes without saying. Yeah. Like, no shit. You're trying to get all the evidence. <laughs> to make my point. I needed evidence. Yes, you did. Yeah. In addition to medical evidence, comma, Hey, congrats, Brandon. You got your comment there. <laughs> I needed legal based legal based support in order Mm-mm. to justify my position. Oh, now you're you mean a lawyer. Law? <laughs> yeah. Okay. The legislation on this topic was not particularly helpful, so I needed to find prior decisions to rely on as precedent. Um... is like taking me back to the chills of law school when one else yeah. like what do i look for do i go to the, yeah, this the statute is, or to the case law yeah so you're making me you're making me picture you as like an extremely naive 1l who like the you know wow the legislation was not helpful mm. mm-hmm Okay. I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm like, I'm really like, really, you're doing legal research on this issue. <laughs> it like, this is the first time your, 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 your firm has taken a case like this. I, I don't know. This is weird. You didn't go back to like the case they did yesterday with somebody else who got T-boned by a drunk driver Yep. and just basically like use that legal argument. Yeah. Use the same argument. I'm very curious why Brandon is reinventing the legal argument. And he's structuring his course of action. It's like he's like a partner at a firm with an entirely new case. Yeah, we've never had one hey, of these before. send Johnny on that one. I mean, Brandon, the law clerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brandon. This is just how we see what you've written. 
Well, Hey, it's like, we love you, Brandon. Like we want you to be successful. The, the schools don't give a shit about you. Like the schools don't know you. They've got a mountain of mostly bullshit applicants. Oh my gosh. And they're just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) No, it's fine. (laughs) Once I was armed, armed with evidence, you got to get rid of these, like these analogies of fighting and arming yourself once i was overstating it yeah oh you're like going to battle with goliath war he's like painting on face paint (laughs) tying on a bandana once i was armed with evidence and precedent that i found by the way yeah no one told me where to get it i wanted to investigate what investigate what arguments i would be up against I reached out to the adjuster with a general inquiry as to why T's treatment was denied. Ooh, you sneaky devil, you. I knew that this step would be important in building... Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> I think you're trying to say rapport, but you said report. Report, this, that's... Oh, if if your admissions reviewer made it this far, they'd be like, fuck that, I am done. <laughs> that's why you don't try to use big words. Yeah. It's just, there's so many ways that you can, if you try to use some fancy word that you're not a hundred percent comfortable with, you end up putting report and then the spell checker doesn't catch it <laughs> and you don't catch it. <laughs> Building report with the adjuster and also in assessing the strength of her position. It's so wordy. God. Yeah. Why are we you know saying that you're this? trying to figure out what her case is? <laughs> Finally. Okay. I was prepared to argue my position. Yeah, finally, we got to this point in your personal statement. <laughs> I presented my case to the adjuster, and as expected, I re- comma, 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 I received a great deal of pushback. I want to do a control F for great. Brandon is making his personal statement great again with eight instances of the word great. Oh, dear God. That needs to be reduced to... Zero. Zero. Yes, you don't need adjectives if you tell people what you do. Okay. The adjuster argued... By the way, the person I used to work for, you know, legal writing consultant guru, Ross Guberman, he never Uh used italics. And... Yeah, I learned from that because I was like, if you're using italics, I know you like them, Nathan, but sometimes, but if you're using italics, it's almost like a shortcut, right? It's like, I'm trying to emphasize this to you. You want to try to rewrite your personal statement in such a way that the words themselves make that emphasis clear. Yeah, if I do like them and I also just like put out a very high volume of words. Yeah. If I had more time, I could like take the italics out, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but like trying to make a point in the midst of like a 5,000 word day of writing. Um, yeah, I do lean on those italics probably <laughs> and bold and everything else. Like definitely more than I need to mm-hmm. on the personal statement. Hopefully I would be able to write my way around it. Yeah. So well, that, that's, uh, I mean, this is supposed to be polished your, your best work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this is the, the document that you're going to submit to the fucking Supreme court. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can, you can take the time to make it perfect. Mm-hmm. So he continues. The adjuster argued that the evidence she had in her possession was not adequate to prove what I was arguing. This put me in a great, oh, there's great again, negotiating position because I had already obtained additional evidence that would further prove the extent of T's injuries. As the call was coming to an end, 
comma, I was able to reach an agreement with the adjuster. Great. That's usually when agreements happen. If I could provide further proof of our client's injuries, then she would agree to approve the treatment. This was the perfect compromise, as I had already anticipated this outcome and prepared for it. <laughs> what is this? Is this like this I don't is know. like like an extra narrative in a movie where you're like, why are you talking to me? Like, ah. Anyways, he's overselling. Like, he went out and got the documentation of her injuries. And then her claim was approved. Yeah. That's the entire story. Yeah. That's one sentence. Every little step that you took in reality is surrounded by five or six sentences telling us that this thing is about to happen, that it's a huge success if it does happen. And then it did happen. And look at how amazing it was. It's look how amazing it's going to be. Look how amazing it is. Look how amazing it was. And it's like, well, yeah, but you did one thing. You like got, you what called the you doctor do? and got documentation of the injuries. So what? And then you made a phone call with the adjuster. Yeah. And said, I got and the it, docs. <laughs> I got the docs. Doc. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, and where's your legal argument in all this? Like your legal argument now is completely irrelevant. The adjuster is just like, Hey, we didn't have documentation of the injuries. Oh, but I got oh, shit. <laughs> she broke her spine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well here, we'll treat her then. Yeah. I don't see, this is not any like amazing legal maneuverings or anything. Mm. Okay. He continues. This was the perfect compromise as I had already anticipated this outcome and prepared for it. I compiled, I compiled my additional evidence. Thought you already prepared for it. Now you're compiling the <laughs> hold evidence. On. Hold on. I'm moving my files into my email that I'm about to send to you. <laughs> and sent it to the adjuster within days i received a response from the adjuster like, again like <laughs> i feel like we're narrating like a uh a sports match or something it's one of the what it is it's like the that stupid thing where you have to write very detailed instructions about how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich I don't know where you have to say like, pick up the jar with your left hand, with your right hand, unscrew the lid until it comes all the way off. It may be difficult to unscrew the counter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If there is a foil cover over the top of the peanut butter, because it is brand new, peel the foil (laughs) thing off and take it to the trash can. And if there's a lid on the trash can, make sure you lift the lid off the trash can before you attempt to put the foil thing into the trash. It is recommended that you do this all with the light on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, good. I, I like the analogy. So anyways, he continues. T's current and future treatment was approved. Great. <laughs> Holy fuck. This next paragraph says felt four times. Wait, we got, we have four more paragraphs, Brandon. Okay, here we go. I felt a great deal of pride when I shared the positive news with T. I felt proud that I was able to use my experience and critical thinking ability to win a battle for my client. A battle. There's a battle again. Jeez. I also felt proud, 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 proud. I felt proud that I, that T knew that she could rely on me and the firm to advocate for her. Hey, I don't know why you put commas there too. Most I don't know why you just put three sentences in a row that say I felt pride. 
I felt pride. I felt proud. I felt proud. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I want to know what you did. Wait. You've said one thing. This is one victory and an awful lot of fucking like showboating. Like the, the, the end zone dance is just going on and on and on here. It's like, wow, you ran it in from the one yard line and now you're like just celebrating for fucking 20 minutes. <laughs> this is where they come up with those rules that you can't spike the ball. Uh. Okay. Most importantly. Okay. Oh, I'm ready for it. This is the most important part of the whole statement. I felt elated. Oh, okay. Another word for proud. Knowing that I, that T would be able to receive the treatment that she was in dire that she was in dire need of. <sighs> I'm glad that T got the treatment too, but that's yeah, kind of beside the point. Being able to help injured people through a process that they do not fully understand or that is novel to them is not only my job, but it also feels like a duty and an obligation. What's the difference between those two things? (laughs) It is a duty and obligation that I want to fully commit myself to at the highest professional capacity. Attending Ottawa University School of Law would allow me to achieve this. Again, if you cite a law school and could replace that law school with any named law school, do not say it. Because you could say this about anything. Attending Stanford Law School would allow me to achieve this. Yeah. (laughs) Anyone could put that in any statement. Through my experience in the legal profession, wow, you're vast, wide-ranging experience, I have learned the value of the knowledge, skills, and experience that continued legal education would bring to my clients. No, you haven't. You've seen the value it can bring in one instance. My goal is to continue to contribute to the litigation community, the litigation community, and simultaneously learn from the great mentors that I have who, by the way, who I have had the pleasure of working with in order to deliver the greatest level of advocacy possible for my future clients. Great. Twice in one sentence. Just talking, then, talking, talking. Like, yeah. this is this is what's going to happen. This is what's happening. And this is what's going to happen in the future. Like, you do that for each individual event in your life and you do that throughout your entire personal statement. I greatly appreciate the time you have taken to evaluate my application and I hope that I can begin the next step of my legal career at Ottawa University. Waste of space. Don't ever do that. No. And unfortunately... You don't thank them for reading your application. You don't, like, tell them that you want to go to their... That you hope to go to their law school. They they know you're applying to their law school. You want them thanking you for writing such a god-fucking-awesome yeah. personal statement that now they have a break in their day and they want to get to know you. This ain't it. The mentors, it's so bizarre the way he brings up the mentors and like he, he constantly says pleasure working with honor, like so grateful to be working with these mentors, but then he doesn't ever show himself once actually working with the mentors. He doesn't he like, it would be a useful detail if you like get stuck, call your mentor, get some great advice, go apply that advice. That'd be awesome. Instead, you're just telling me that you've got all these great mentors. I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
Can you name one? Why are they relevant? Who are they? What are you talking about? And what does that tell me about you? Yeah. This personal statement has less actual content than almost all of the personal statements we've read on the show. Yeah. Even the man with the kind eyes. It's like, oh, well, we knew you went to this foreign country. You Yeah, that was language. at least going on an adventure yeah. and a romance, too. That was awesome. Yeah. But this one is like, it literally... And it's okay to, to it's okay to dig deep into one case, but here Brandon didn't even dig deep into the it ah. did not dig deep into the case. Here's okay, so maybe Brandon has been listening and he thought, right. okay, they've heard I've heard it a thousand times. You take one piece of your resume, you zoom in on that, and you tell us a lot about it. And so he's mistaked a lot of sentences for a lot of information. Well, they're not the same thing. This story, this story, it could actually be the story. It could be. I don't know. Though, this the point. story of T could be the story, but like you need to show me like, what did it look like? Show me you jumping through the hoops to get the doctor to give you the documents. Show me junk jumping through the hoops to let's see, where was it again? These emergency room doctors. I imagine that they're not the easiest folks in the world to get you know, to, to get to talk to you. Mm -hmm. So how did you like, wh what, like if you had to navigate some bureaucracy or if you had to go like hunt these people down, you know, wait outside their office or whatever, like those would all be good details. Even if it was like multiple phone calls and just had to like keep harassing these people, following up, following up, following up, whatever that would be like useful. You know, what's funny about your peanut butter example. Sorry, I don't mean to interject here, but your peanut butter example, ironically had more details than this because it was like, okay, you take the lid off. <laughs> if there's this foil seal, take that off. It's like, at least we're seeing things. Well, here's Brandon's version of the peanut butter thing. Yeah. I am, I'm proud to be able to use my, my expertise in the peanut butter sandwich making community, community, <laughs> And all my pleasure to work with all of my great mentors to make this peanut butter sandwich as great as it can be. And I made I'm the greatest open it. I am proud to have made the greatest peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter and jelly sandwich to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You <laughs> have to have all the right ingredients yeah, to successfully make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You have to have you have to prepare a plan and have all of the right ingredients, but you're like not saying at all how to do it. No, you're using words that like are vague, right? So it's like, you don't even say take off the lid. It's like, <laughs> you just have to make the sandwich, whatever that means. There's no steps actually outlined. Like put the knife in the peanut butter jar and take the peanut it requires butter requires a wide range of responsibilities, <laughs> including applying the peanut butter, applying the jelly, and squishing the two pieces of bread. Well, that's actually yeah, still more detail than Brandon still, actually gave. There's a lot of skills that are required for the production of the sandwich. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. So, yeah, you've said a lot of things. You said a lot of sentences. But because you use these, like, basically abstract terminology instead of concrete words, like, I did this or I did that, you're not saying anything. And this happens all the time, right? We get, we get personal statements and it's still like, okay, I was just doing this the other day for that uh, personal statement about the person who worked with auction items, right? I was like, 
tell me like what the hell happened here because it still doesn't make sense. And she told me a bunch of stuff, probably like two paragraphs. I'm like, okay, now I get this story. Let's put back in these two facts. Like (laughs) we have to do our due diligence and get the actual actions that are taking place that you're doing, that other people are doing. What are you doing? And then we may only choose 10 of those here. Unfortunately, even though you have so many sentences, we don't have a lot of actions. And so we can't pick like four of them and say, okay, well, let's use these. I think we only have really two in here, right? Found documents and called the person. We need so much more. Like the whole thing with the legal research, it doesn't like that. I didn't believe that for a second. Mm. And it also didn't pay off ever in this, I mean, ultimately he ends up having the one phone call with the adjuster and it's like, yeah, just give us the documentation. You're good. And then he compiled it. has nothing to do with the legal case. Yeah. It has to do with like, did you get the report from the emergency room? Oh, good. Okay, great. Now that we got that, no problem. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's way overselling. I mean, maybe there's more to this than Brandon, you know, actually was able to convey in this personal statement. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's going to need to get like way more into the details of what he did. Yeah. So here's a challenge for everybody. Write five pages and just put down journalistic style everything that you remember happening. And then slowly pick through and cut out things that are not advancing the story. Yeah, I did this. I did that. They said this. So I had to go over here and do that. Then I did that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then this happened. Mm -hmm. Then I did that just straightforward. Like, just tell me the, just explain to me step-by-step, like what, how the whole shit went down. Be a fucking robot. Just be a robot. Like I'm a camera on the wall and I saw this person typing these things. A lot of that shit is going to be cut, but at least we start having details and we can see exactly what's happening. And then people can draw their own conclusions, especially when you leave in the details that are impressive. But you don't need to say that they're impressive. You just, the fact that Brandon did so much selling in this, just naturally leads me to the opposite conclusion. Mm -hmm. I I just think like, Oh, okay. So this is a totally clerical job. You're really trying to oversell it with your bogus legal research that clearly you didn't do. You had to make a couple phone calls, get some documents. And then this treatment got approved. Big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. That, but that's because I'm so resistant because Brandon came with so many of the, like literally put the word great eight times. Yeah. (laughs) thanks Brandon keep listening to the show (laughs) always a pleasure to read these personal statements I mean it is like I have fun with it but boy I again we're just looking for people to take our advice email your personal statement to help at thinkinglsat.com but like we need to start we need like a disclaimer like you have to say I swear to God I've listened to the show I've listened to multiple personal statements on the show. I've really tried to take their advice of just showing and not telling and get rid of all my adjectives and adverbs and also not, you know, also like have better, better editing. Mm -hmm. Like when we see the second sentence, just straight up broken, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. You could fix that with Grammarly for free. You could also fix it with just like read it out loud. I mean, it's just, that's not a, that's not a sentence. You could, you can read that and realize that it's not a sentence and Grammarly anyway. Yeah. Should we do this LR question? I'm running a little tight on time. Should we skip? Oh, can we? 
or works works for me. Okay. We'll get to that uh, other LR question next time. Let's see. Go to our uh, Facebook group, Thinking Else That Podcast group on Facebook. Keep in mind that many people in that group don't seem to ever listen to the show. So the advice there is not endorsed by us. But hopefully the uh, community <laughs> will at there. least chime in and correct people when they say stupid things. Because they definitely do. But yeah, please join us on Facebook, Thinking Else That Podcast group. While you're there, you can like the Thinking LSAT Facebook page. I guess that does something for us. I don't know. We're at Thinking LSAT everywhere. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm at Fox on Twitter. Ben is at Olson Benjamin on Twitter. You can go to strategyprep.com to learn about Ben's classes in DC. You can go to foxlsat.com to learn about my classes in San Francisco and LA. We both do one-on-one tutoring online for students all around the world. So you can go to our websites if you want to learn more about that. Go to lsatdemon.com to see all the new exciting stuff that's happening over there. Basically, you can do LSAT questions on the go. The tool, the demon, learns from your mistakes and provides you with questions that are at the appropriate level of difficulty and appropriate type. You also get, uh, we think, world's best LSAT help because it's got all of my videos, all of Ben's videos, all of our written content, everything. It's all right there in the demon. So go do a free trial at lsatdemon.com. Awesome. Yeah, that's it. That was show number 207. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Bye.